you haven't lived under a rock for the last 10 years, then you know that an inevitable aspect of the job search nowadays is not getting the job you have hoped for. It's not always clear why you weren't able to secure a position you felt fit for as per your experience and skills you thought you were the perfect person. The point is knowing the reasons why you weren't hired will help you to better prepare for the remainder of your job search to ensure that you get the job you deserve. But how are you going to know what's right and what's wrong? I am going to explain to you the reasons why you didn't get the job and I'm going to tell you more importantly the reasons why and what you need to do to fix it. Hello friends and fans and welcome back to my latest podcast. I hope you're well and in good spirits wherever you are. My name is Uli Shield aka Mr. Career Tick, and in today's podcast I'm going to talk about the real reasons why you're not getting hired and more importantly what you need to do about it. Now you may ask yourself why would I want to know about it? Well Knowing the reasons why you weren't hired is actually pretty important. Knowing what's possible and the reasons that have been preventing you from moving forwards in the whole process of getting hired will not only motivate you during your job search, it'll also give you a much better understanding of the areas where you can improve and the actions you can take to become a better candidate a candidate that not only impresses the hiring managers in the process, but a candidate who knows which areas he or she needs to refine their whole approach. And I'm going to help and guide you so you can get the job you deserve. Okay, so here's how this goes when clients call me either to get a quotation or to get feedback, etc. This is usually... What tends to happen in the back of my mind when I listen to the clients or when they're telling me their story, whether it's a short or a long one, it basically comes down to the many reasons why you were not getting hired. Number one, you were passively participating. The next one is you were showing a total lack of passion. And I know that word is a bit overrated, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Or even worse, you're undervaluing your own talents. And then the next one that uh, often pops up in my head, obviously why the clients are calling me is your application really needs work. And then this is probably one of the most common ones. You didn't do your research. You didn't do any research on the company at all. Another one is your expectations are too high or you have simply just too much experience for the kind of jobs that you're applying for or you're underqualified for the job or, and that's not uncommon, you need an industry connection to get your foot in the door. And then the last two is your interviewing skills, they need improvement or you are simply lacking references. So I'm going to talk you through all of these points that always pop up in the back of my mind and I'm going to show you what you need to do so you can get the job you deserve. Okay, so here's number one. You're passively participating. I know passive, active, etc. Some of the words are just simply old-fashioned. 
But passively participating is probably one of the biggest mistakes so many job hunters have in their repertoire. Having a proactive personality is really directly correlated with the whole process of job hunting, with the whole career success that you're hoping to achieve. If you are applying to jobs without following up or simply applying to just a few jobs, you are missing a key piece of the whole job search process. In my books, the opposite of being a passive participant is proactive participant or proactive job hunter. And what I always tell all my clients is you need to work on strengthening your actual, real, genuine, proactive approach to the whole idea of searching and applying for jobs for more jobs per week. And that means actively pursuing any possible lead that comes your way by reaching out after interviews and then also by strategizing your job search approach. Now, strategies include things like what type of job are you looking for? and what areas are you prepared to work for and what areas are you willing to adjust such as salary, benefits, location, duties, you know, the list is quite big actually. It also entails things like you really need to know your own strengths and weaknesses and you need to set time aside daily to search and to apply and to refine Things like your application toolkit, i.e. your resume, your cover letter, your LinkedIn profile, and maybe other things in your portfolio. Okay, here's the next one. I personally don't like the word because I think it's a bit overrated. But when I listen to clients, I can tell that you are showing a lack of passion. Employers can sense if you're excited for a position or if your excitement isn't quite there. Skills, you know, guys, they can be taught, but employers really want to see passion and enthusiasm when you apply for positions and when you want them to consider you as an applicant. So not conveying to an employer how excited you are for a particular position that you have applied for. And I'm talking about your intro in your resume or your intro in your cover letter and during your initial interview. So when you have your screening call and your first interview, that really comes through. If this is just another one of many applications, then employers and particularly recruiters will sense it right away that you are not passionate, that you're actually showing a lack of passion. So make a list of all the details that make you interested. And I don't want to use the word eager, but, you know, that makes you interested to work for that particular company and ensure to explain why you like to work and how you can be beneficial to the company, to the mission, to the objectives, to the values, the whole thing. And here's a tip. Make sure that you do your research that goes beyond the company website. That really demonstrates that you're passionate about the job that you're applying for. The next one is actually one I observe, particularly with mature age job hunters. You're undervaluing or you're underplaying your talents. Guys, job searching is one of the most important times to show your confidence and your pride in your skills, your experience, your knowledge and your education. But what I always tell all my clients is 
You have to do it with what I call a sense of professional humility. In my songbook as a professional HR manager, as a recruiter, and as a career coach, I always think that if you don't demonstrate your best, your greatest strengths and your accomplishments, then you're definitely going to be overlooked for a role that you're otherwise genuinely suited for, just because you're completely undervaluing your own talents and it's showing through. Now, you're not going to get better about this overnight, and I would encourage and recommend that you avoid going to quick and easy online helps with Dr. Google. If you want to improve your ability to sell yourself, then you need to first understand what your greatest strengths and your accomplishments are and how they relate to the job or the type of jobs that you want to apply for. And the best way to actually establish that is with the help of a career coach or career counselor. So don't try to do it all alone, get help. And then once you've got that help, once you've established that, carefully choose the traits, the achievements that really show the value you can bring to a company, to a particular position, and then detail them, not just in your resume and cover letter, but also in your social profiles, and particularly when you're in an interview. You need to echo them in the interview. But like I said in the beginning, with a fine balance of pride and humility, and I call that professional humility. Okay, guys, the next one is an obvious one. Your application needs work. You're a hiring professional, a recruiter, receptionist, or anything in between, you know, someone who helps in HR or a manager who's asking their executive assistant or team assistant to look at the applications. And if they've done it a couple of times, they can work out right away if or if not, if your application needs work. Your resume and your cover letter are likely one of the most and common reasons why you're not getting interviews. It just doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. Like it or not, your application toolkit is the first impression a hiring professional or any other person that's been assigned to the job of pre-selecting has of you. And it is the first step to getting an interview. Without interviews, nothing happens. So if your resume doesn't highlight your abilities enough, if it doesn't show that you're producing, presenting a sense of uniqueness, or if your documents are lacking the relevant keywords, then you may not be chosen to move on in the hiring process at all. And if you want more on that, just check out one of my other podcasts on the topic of ATS applicant tracking software point I'm trying to make here is you need to enhance your resume with an interesting introduction to get the hiring manager's attention. You need to ensure that you focus on your previous successes, your accomplishments, and obviously you need to tailor your resume to each job. You can't just do things like uh, where you worked and two or three sentences and then where you worked and two or three sentences. That's just not how it's going to work. Even if two jobs are very similar, you still need to ensure that the resume reads well 
and that you have read the job posts and that you picked out the desired keywords and skills to match it so that it shines through that you really did make an effort to tailor your application toolkit to or against the job that you are applying for. So ensure to compare the ads to the skills you already have and then include the ones you have in your resume to help stand out from other applicants because that's obviously what it's all about. I interview every month at least five or ten people for, you know, every sort of position from mid-level to top level. And I have this habit at the end of the interview, I think it's really important for the candidate and also for me to let them know what I liked or what I didn't like. And I'd kind of like to give them an idea how well the interview went, actually. And if I want them to know that it didn't go well, then I always tell them about the fact that I realized that they didn't research the company they're applying for. This is really an area that can truly affect your ability not only to find a job, but actually to secure the role. So many employers ask the question during an interview to test your knowledge of the company and the job that you're applying for. And this is one of the biggest mistakes job applicants or candidates make. They always just look at the company's website. Most candidates even just 10 minutes before the interview and I can tell in a nanosecond that you're just regurgitating what I already know about my own company. And that really is frustrating. An employer wants to know that a candidate has taken the time to not only learn about the company or the job that they are applying for, that they have actually a genuine interest in the company and that they went beyond the company website. And that is so easy. You just need to Google a couple of the key people. You need to look at things like who's the owner or the CEO, what are the company's goals or missions or values or the latest press release, what's the company culture like. You can check that out on things like Glassdoor or LinkedIn, and then also what the role entails. So you can not just find that out from the job ad, but by looking at other similar job ads. And here's a tip that I always tell all my clients, if you really want to stand out about the research of the company, tell them what you know about them, what you found out and what you've researched beyond their website, and then tell them what you know about their competition. That really gets you the next interview. The point I'm trying to make here is your genuine, your keen interest and your attention to detail, that's what's going to impress employers. If you demonstrate to them that you have really genuinely done your research and you should actually tell them what type of research you did when they ask you, so what do you know about us? So what do you say, guys? Do you like it so far? Does all of this make sense? Is there something in here that really talks to you? Make sure that you check my other podcasts on the topic, particularly a podcast I did on why recruiters don't call you back. If you like my insights and tips in this podcast, share it with your friends or fellow job hunters. There are tons of helpful pods with insights and tips and tutorials and walkthroughs. So guys, stay tuned and subscribe to my channel 
make sure that you do. So let's get to the last six or so items why you didn't get the job. This one is an interesting one, particularly with recruiters who are trying to pitch you to their clients. And they call it, your expectations are too high. Guys, it's really important to be flexible with salary and benefits and other expectations if you can actually afford to have them. Some recruiters may ask you for an expected salary range and others will maybe just ask for an hourly wage. If you go into an interview with a list of non-negotiable requirements, then that may be a deal breaker that will turn into a red flag for the recruiter or even the employer. What I'm trying to say here is you need to adjust your expectations and work on being as flexible as you can. Make a list of the benefits you need, like health insurance and paid time off and anything that comes to your mind, and then make an additional list of benefits that would be ideal but negotiable, such as hourly rate, salary, retirement plans if they exist, or whatever else you might have in mind or that you might have found out about the company that you're applying for. But word of caution, don't go overboard. If you go into interviews explaining your needs and if you show flexibility, then that will definitely give the recruiter or the employer a positive vibe, a really good impression that you're actually adaptable. This next one is particularly frustrating with mature age job hunters. It's you have too much experience. While not always the case, large gaps between your experience and your actual job requirements can cause you to be overlooked. Sometimes recruiters or employers don't actually follow up overqualified candidates because they cannot pay what they believe, what's actually in their mind from the first expression, what they believe an applicant will expect, or they want to be sure the applicant will stay with the company long term and not look for a better job soon after they hire. So, for example, if there is lots of job hopping going on and you're talking about money right at the beginning, then that, you know, is not the right sign. If you are overqualified for a job, you can actually still keep yourself in the pool of applicants. And here's a few tips. A few ways to do this is to include addressing your experience outright. So right at the beginning in your application, when you explain your salary flexibility and when you focus on your interest in the work itself, an experienced resume writer can do that for you. Also making it clear why you are applying will give the recruiter or the employer more reasons to invite you for an interview. I've already explained that earlier in the piece. And another easy way to increase your chances of getting hired is to match the skills on your resume to the job. I also talked about that earlier. So guys, you should always demonstrate that you have and are willing to do the tasks required in the job ad that you're looking for, even if they are of less complexity than your last job. Okay, now let's look at the other side of the coin. You're underqualified for the job. So many applicants shy away from applying for jobs that seem above their experience or their skill sets since employers often pass applicants who lack the, lack the necessary skills for the job. So 
if you know how to approach the recruiter or the hiring manager with what you do bring to the job, it is actually still possible to be considered. So here's how. To improve your chances of getting hired for an advanced job, take the time to show the recruiter or the hiring manager you are a match for the position and you can do that with transferable skills and other good reasons. One way to do this is to include listing as many key skills or transferable skills and experiences you can that are mentioned in the job post or the job ad And you can also mention education, volunteering, internships, short experiences, and any other learning experiences related to the role that you're applying for. Okay, the next one is often quite obvious because you didn't get past the first interview. You didn't get to the second interview. And that's when your interviewing skills need improvement. That's the reason why you didn't get the job. The initial interview is one of the most important moments in the whole hiring process. And it doesn't matter whether you're being interviewed with a screening call. So the first one from a recruiter or an HR professional, or it's an actual Teams or Zoom or online video interview or actually in person. Hiring professionals base a lot on the first interview, including how well you present yourself, your attitude, and how well you communicate and think critically, as well as your attention to the questions and the detail and the level of your professionalism. So here's my tips how you can improve your interview skills. All I'm suggesting is that you follow these suggestions or that you maybe consider to hire a coach, a mentor, or a guide who can help you to prepare for these interviews. So the first one that I always recommend is you need to dress appropriately. And it really doesn't matter whether it's just in a video interview or in person. Your presentation may vary depending on the type of job. However, your outfit should look professional and definitely polished. Another one is you need to arrive early, including video interviews And you need to make sure that everything is set up. This shows your time management skills and it also shows your respect for the company and the interviewer's time. Nothing is more frustrating in a video interview, for example, when this whole flip-flopping starts. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you see me? Or let's try again later. And, and, And people just go, oh my God, this is not working out. It also often shows that you're not prepared. Then the next one, really important during interviews, whether it's a video interview or in person, silence your phone and turn it off. Focus on listening, making eye contact and pay full attention to the interviewer's questions. This really shows respect. It shows that you're invested in the interview and that it's important to you to demonstrate that you avoid distractions. Make sure your phone is away and out of sight. Next one. Keep your answers clear and succinct. And remember what I said earlier in the piece, demonstrate professional humilities. Interviewers want responses that are straightforward and that are direct answers to their questions. And they really love it if you repeat their question, if parts of the question are not clear to you. And then last but not least, speak positively or neutrally of past jobs and managers. 
you really don't look good making someone else look bad. I have a podcast and also a video on that whole topic. If you're interested in it, check it out. Always speak well of past jobs to show your maturity and your conflict resolution skills. Never talk bad about other people or managers. And explain difficult past experiences by discussing the issue and the solution and stay away from pointing out why other people didn't do certain things right. It's really important that you remain neutral of other parties involved in your story. Okay, here's the last one. You're lacking references. References are a must-have. They're useful for hiring managers because they attest to the skill and the experiences you, the candidate, have listed on your resume. Lacking appropriate references or having no references can definitely affect your ability to secure the jobs. So to fix this, you'll need to reach out, obviously, to individuals that can confirm your abilities, your skill, your experience, especially to people who are willing to recommend you for a job. So your references should be people like your former bosses or co-workers, but they can also be former professors, clients, vendors or colleagues that you have closely worked with. I always recommend to my clients to refrain from family members or friends. Make sure your references are reliable and very important that they are aware of the specific job that you are applying for. And guys, if you don't want to list your references in your application documents, totally cool. But make sure that you have them ready for when the HR people ask you for it. It's so frustrating when hiring professionals have to wait days for you to sort your references. And that can also be a real serious deal breaker. Pretty easy, don't you think? Job hunting is not rocket science. It's all about particular processes, disciplines, professional humility, and really paying attention to the jobs right in front of you. Guys, join me again every Thursday here on Mr. Koreatik Podcast or my Mr. Koreatik YouTube channel and grab your dose of weekly career advice. Thank you for listening. If you are actively looking for a new job or if you're hunting for new freelancing gigs, make sure to hunt wisely and remember to tick all the right boxes. <laughs>